we get more people coming to Mars events. We call it Marsapalooza because people get Mars crazy. I know that they that they know that they're not going to see Martians, but that's certainly a motivating factor, I think. Welcome to your online coffee break, where we discuss bite-sized topics that inspire, educate, and entertain. Here's your host, a software innovator, award-winning marketer, and astronomy and space buff, Chuck Fields. Hello, thanks for joining us today for your online coffee break. Today I'd like to welcome to our show my special guest, Dean Regis. Dean is the astronomer for the Cincinnati Observatory. He's also the co-host of Stargazers on PBS, as well as the author of two books, Facts from Space and 100 Things to See in the Night Sky. He's also been a frequent guest on NPR's Science Friday, been featured in the New York Times, and hosts an astronomy podcast along with Anna Heeman called Looking Up. Welcome to the program, Dean. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Now, Dean, you've been making a huge impact as an astronomy educator. What got you into astronomy in the first place? Well, it's a pretty roundabout story how I uh, got started. I was not uh, hmm. born with a telescope in my hand. Oh, really? Uh, it was something that uh, came to me a lot much later in life. Hmm. Uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a uh, professional football player. Oh. And if you ever met me, you would see how that would be completely unrealistic. I'm a pretty skinny guy. So that wasn't going to work out. So hmm. then I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be in advertising. I wanted to be a, a mathematician. Then I wanted to be in history. Hmm. And uh, I started doing, uh, started teaching high school history and thought, boy, man, this is really tough being in a classroom at the age of 22. Uh, so I started working for the Cincinnati Parks doing nature education. And at one of the parks, they had a planetarium. And uh, they put me in charge of the planetarium with no training and no knowledge of anything of any stars whatsoever. Uh, and it's just something magical happened. I fell in love with the subject. And it's, uh, it's one of those moments where I had so many different jobs before that, so many different interests. And when I found this, I knew right away that was the calling for me. Interesting. Since you've been into astronomy, what's the most spectacular astronomical event you've seen so far? Oh, well, that's an easy one. There's hands down total solar eclipse. Can't, be not, can't beat that. There's nothing better than that. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that because that was spectacular. And I, I understand you saw, you saw totality. I know you were, I believe, in Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. So that is by far the number one thing that I've ever seen. That's the easiest question you'll probably ask me today. Uh, because uh, I've seen two of them total. I saw one in a uh, total solar eclipse in the Mediterranean in 2006, wow. and then the one just last summer here in uh, Franklin, Kentucky. So I've had the uh, the very exotic cruise along the Mediterranean Sea uh, nice. eclipse, and then the back of a Quality Inn hotel in Franklin, Kentucky eclipse. <laughs> Which are so good, I've run too. the gamut. You know, you know what, what almost drives me crazy is just how beautiful it was. That was my first time witnessing total eclipse. And uh-huh. you just can't describe the difference, you know, when, when people are like, oh, it's going to be 96% covered here. I'm like, yeah, but the difference is night and day, literally. It's just incredible. Literally, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, 96% is not 96% of the event. It's like 10%, 5% of the event. There's just something about when totality hits and the light is just so weird, the whole air is weird the sounds are weird the smells are weird and it's just one of those things that happens for just a few minutes and then you're back to normal uh but it's uh so yeah it gets people hooked and i'm just so excited so many people got to see it this uh last year and it was the the weather was so clear from almost coast to coast Mm -hmm. so 
Uh, we, I think uh, it was a big day in astronomy. I think we uh, have a lot of newfound astronomers that came from that day. Absolutely. Well, speaking of them, now I know your, your most recent book, 100 Things to See in the Night Sky, I think is an excellent field guide for stargazing. I love how you take the reader from the sun and the moon through the planets and then onto the constellations. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I also really appreciate how you rate objects from easy to moderate then difficult. Can you tell us a little bit more about your book and why you wrote it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's a book that's kind of been a long time coming. Yeah, it's called 100 Things to See in the Night Sky. Mm-hmm. And it basically kind of starts off the way I started with astronomy back when I was at the planetarium trying to find my way. And I, I kind of hit the top 100 things that you can you can identify. And almost all of them are visible without telescopes, without binoculars. And maybe about 75 of them are visible within urban locations. So you don't need to be out in the country to see these most of these things. Uh, and so we start with uh, how to safely look at the sun, what to look for when you're watching the moon, how to find the five naked eye planets, and then we go into stars and constellations. That's the big bulk of it. So we look at the major constellations of the season, major stars to look for. And then the final uh, chapter of the book is about uh, odds and ends, special astronomical events like eclipses, looking for satellites in the sky when they're flying overhead, meteor showers. And there's only one thing that can rival uh, a total solar eclipse, and that is seeing the aurora borealis. Mm. And so that's on the list of 100 things to see. Have you seen that? I have seen that uh, three times in my life, twice uh, in northern Canada and once at the Cincinnati Observatory. Back in 2001, we had this huge solar eruption, and uh, I went outside after the group left and looked up, and the sky was all green. It was awesome. That is amazing. That totally is, unexpected. Oh, my gosh, and that's, not, that's on my bucket list. I've seen, seen them from here, but I would love to go farther north and just see the colors. can be amazing from what I hear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm going to Iceland in uh, September, so I'm hoping to get a, another glimpse because it's been a long time since I last saw them. Oh, well, I hope you have a wonderful trip on that. Yeah, yeah. Are there frequent questions you get from sort of beginning stargazers that you hope to help with this book? Yeah, I think the the biggest one that people, uh, you know, people like to be able to identify planets. I think that's a real big thing uh, because, you know, there's Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Those can all be seen without a telescope, and they're up there. And so people have definitely seen them. They just don't know that they're actual planets. And uh, that's a real joy when people are able to identify the planets and watch them over courses of weeks and months. I think the other one is what are the constellations to look for each season? So in the winter, we look at Orion and Taurus and uh, Gemini, and so each season has its own kind of highlights. And the way I like to think of it is if you can identify five stars and five constellations, you're on your way because you'll start to you'll start rolling after that. You'll start to be able to identify, pick out the other things as well as you start going along. Wow. Now, you have obviously seen lots of visitors at the Cincinnati Observatory over the years. What objects in the sky do they seem to enjoy the most? Well, like uh, last night we looked at the moon with uh, the, the old telescope, and so this is the uh, telescope made in 1845, one of the oldest in the world. Wow. And so seeing through that's always a joy. But to some folks, they're like, oh, it's just the moon. It's kind of, you know, it's always the same. It always looks kind of lumpy and bumpy. But to most people that have never seen it, for the, for, seeing it for the first time is, is a real amazing experience. 
And uh, so a lot of people, these are a lot of first-timers who are seeing through the telescope. And what's really cool is with our telescope, you can see the light of the moon hitting their eyes. So their eyes literally light up. And uh, it's, it's one of those things that's just pretty cool to see. Now, Dean, your book, Facts from Space, I think is also a fun read. It has some very interesting trivia, such as how a day on Venus is longer than its year or mm-hmm. how some astronauts return to Earth up to two inches taller than when they left, which makes me really want to go into space. Uh, can, uh-huh. you, can you share a couple facts that actually surprised you the most when you were writing that book? Yeah, yeah. So uh, when when I started writing that one, it was the idea was to make it a little more than the average trivia book, like you know the sun is this hot and Jupiter is this big. Mm-hmm. So there's usually a little bit of stories behind some of them, and uh, probably the, the chapter with the most stories is the space travel, human space flight. Uh, you get some kind of uh, behind the scenes looks at what the astronauts were doing and sneaking sandwiches on board and <laughs> sneaking music on board and. Uh, stories of how they have to go to the bathroom and weightlessness. Yeah. It's uh, it's not pretty in some places. The other part that I kind of uh, like, too, is uh, talking about, it's the last chapter of the book called Deep Thoughts of Space, because uh, the farther you go in the book, the farther out in space you go. And so at the end, we talk about like big issues like black holes and UFOs and aliens and that kind of stuff and then we get to parallel universes and so lots of uh lots of cool stuff to think about after that now dean at the time of this podcast right now it's spring 2018 now i understand this summer there are some great opportunities to see some of the planets especially mars and jupiter can you tell us more about that or about what other events are coming up later this year yeah man i cannot wait we've had uh, about four months of uh maybe even five months of a planet drought we have hardly had any planets visible in the evening sky and now that uh, yeah we're into spring, Venus has just popped back into the evening sky, which is the brightest looking star in the whole sky, and it looks like a UFO. So we're preparing for all the UFO reports we're going to get. Right. And uh, we'll have the, the taped answer. It's, it's just Venus. It's just Venus. It's just Venus. Because yeah, people will start to notice that. We saw Mercury earlier in the week, earlier in the month, when it was in conjunction with Venus. Uh, so Mercury is going to pop back out. But then the big news will be Jupiter coming in May mm-hmm. uh, when it's in best position. And then Saturn joins Jupiter and Venus in June. And then the big one, at least according to the public, is Mars. And that comes late July. So July 27th is a big day on our calendar because that's when Mars at its closest approach for, well, it's been uh, since whew, 15 years. That's the closest approach has been in 15 years. Why do you think the public is so excited about Mars? Uh, Martians. That's the only thing I can think of. It's got to be Martians. Because in a telescope, um, you know, the, the, the coolest, the coolest planet is by far Saturn, where you see the rings. Mm-hmm. Jupiter is second, where you'd see the stripes on it and its moons. Mars is maybe third, maybe even fourth, because Venus can be pretty cool too. Right. But we get more people coming to Mars events. We call it Marsapalooza, because people get Mars crazy. And they want to see Mars when it's at its closest. And I know that they, that they know that they're not going to see Martians, but that's certainly a motivating factor, I think. Oh, sure. <laughs> now, speaking of Marsapalooza, I, I love uh, the Cincinnati Observatory Center events. Uh, it just, they seem to draw thousands of visitors each year. There's the, this fantastic enthusiasm among the visitors that compares, in my opinion, to other active observatories like Griffith Park Observatory in Los Angeles. Can you tell us more about your special events, such as Marsapalooza, Late Night, Date Night, and even Saturday? 
Oh yeah. So yeah, there's uh, we have such a wide variety of things that we do. We're pretty much open Monday through Saturday all year round. Monday, you know, during the daytime, we have uh, daytime tours where people come see the historic telescopes. We have field trips for kids, mm-hmm. uh, church groups, and scout groups come during the day. And then uh, at nighttime, we're open Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for private groups, classes for adults, continuing education. Uh, Thursday and Fridays for the public. So every Thursday and Friday throughout the year, you can make reservations to come see through the telescopes. Uh, and then Saturdays, we have our special events and. Uh, yeah, those can draw big crowds. If, uh, you know, our biggest crowds lately have been for you know, the eclipses, but uh, even a Saturn night we can get five, 600 people come just to see Saturn. And uh, so Mars is still probably our biggest one, biggest event ever was in 2003, and that one we estimated about 1,400 people. That's a super low number because there was a line out the door down the street <laughs> It was, it was, we were here till 4 a.m. It was, uh, that was, that was a night. That's a long night. <laughs> yep. So this year we're hoping to spread it out over a couple of days so people won't get, uh, uh, won't all 1,400 come on one night. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. Listen, Dean, I, I appreciate all the work you're doing and I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join me today. Thank you so much. Hey, my pleasure. Keep looking up. Absolutely. Dean's books, 100 Things to See in the Night Sky and Facts from Space, are available at your favorite retailer. For more information about Dean and the activities at the Cincinnati Observatory, you can visit their website at cincinnatiobservatory.org. Also, don't forget to subscribe to his podcast, Looking Up. Well, that's all we have today for your online coffee break. I truly hope you found this episode helpful. Please share this episode with your friends and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. If you'd like to join our mailing list or comment on today's episode, please visit onlinecoffeebreak.com. Thanks again for taking your coffee break with us today. See you next time.